interesting, I guess, uh, when we think about these numbers uh, in recovery terms. I mean, it's a comparison of the third quarter ending December for 2020 and 2021. And in 2020, that was the time when I guess the hard lockdown was being eased somewhat. Uh, mm. But of course, a lot of scarring still uh, in critical markets at that point. What do you make of this rebound? And in particular, I guess the role of their financial services offering, both here in South Africa and abroad, uh, in uh, how they performed and uh, how they rebounded. Yeah, so it's a set of um, good numbers, which um, the Vodacom Group CEO, Chanel Yusuf, um, announced today in, in terms of some of the fourth quarter results. Um, and as you mentioned, um, um, Ayabonga, the launch of the Vodacom Pay Super App um, last year, October, um, has exceeded the expectation um, because they received about 1.4 million downloads, um, particular for this app. And they see this Vodacom app, uh, Vodapay, um, as one that will revolutionize, um, particularly in the, in the pay sector um, of transacting, of purchases, of paying bills and sending money. That was quite a, a surprise that they were indicated this morning at the results and that they were quite pleased with this with regards to the Vodacom SuperPay app, which is um, quite a revolutionary one, um, such as the one that they currently have with M-Pesa, which is, we are, are obviously quite aware of, is one that has a platform that has exceeded expectations, um, not, not only um, in Southern Africa, um, but in the rest of the continent. So they will um, produce some good numbers, particularly with regards to that app, um, but overall the group um, also grew some of their revenue, um, about 6.4% for the same period of the fourth quarter, and also indicating that there is about demand and connectivity, um, which we all know um, a lot of us um, continue to be working from home, and um, particularly those that aren't back um, at the offices. Um, so that, um, particularly, that area continues um, to be quite a very um, good opportunity for them with regards to that sector. And the growth that they've, that they've seen is about 25.9% mm. um, from those work-from-home solutions, particularly with regards to the smart devices, which they also saw um, quite pleasing results. But as you indicated, the good pleasing results. Um, the group is grew their um, revenue by 6.4% in the three months to the end of um, December um, of 2021, um, which is quite pleasing. And some of the investments that they are making in terms of the diversifying into the financial services sector with the app pay um, are providing suits um, for their revenues. Yeah, yeah. Akona, I want us to pause here for a second and uh, take a quick uh, uh, spot break. But when we come back, I want us to continue on the story because this is also the quarter that coincided with very two big announcements uh, for mm. coming out of Vodacom, one on issue of Egypt and then the other something that might have massive implications for the fiber rollout into many of our communities. And uh, we'll come back, Gwelo And uh, when we come back, we, I also want us to take a look at this case from 1999, which uh, yeah, is now making me very, very suspicious about when I next need to change my tires. 21 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our business wrap uh, this evening and uh, joining me to take a look at the latest in the markets. I'm joined by Akon Amlamlele, Portfolio Manager at 274 Investment Managers. Akona, uh, as I said before we went to the break, I mean, uh, the third quarter for Vodacom coincided with two very big announcements. One, their foray into the Egyptian market, a critical North African market, and then also, I guess, uh, their investment in community investment holdings, which might have a massive impact on uh, the rollout of fiber into uh, critical underserved areas. 
Yeah, so Vodacom, um, towards the end of last year, around about um, November, October, um, finally entered the deal to buy 30 percent stake um, in community investment in venture holdings, um, which has um, ownerships or owns um, the likes of Wimatel, um, who obviously are quite big in the space in terms of fiber assets um, within South Africa. Um, so through this acquisition that did take place last year, Vodacom has um, gained um, quite an exposure, particularly um, to the highly attractive and quickly growing um, business um, open fiber space um, within South Africa and with access to the likes of the big players such as Umatel and Dark Fiber Africa within this space. Um, this particularly is a, a portfolio and investment um, that ha- um, has and continued to provide um, some diversity uh, for the portfolio, um, but also is providing some um, fruition in terms of um, providing some of the growth that is needed um, for the, the, the overall group. Um, but as you also indicate, um, Ayabonga, um, ICASA um, will be uh, indicated um, in the last few days in terms that it has received um, applications um, from the big um, cellular operators such as um, Vodacom, Telcom, South Sea, Rain, um, to name a few, uh, of some of the applicants that um, the telecom regulator ICASA um, will be considering for the application in terms of the, the spectrum um, that is likely to take place, uh, the frequency auction spectrum that is, that is likely to take place um, per, particularly next month. Um, so we have been seeing a lot of legal wranglings particularly to this, and operators um, like the, such as the likes of Vodacom have been waiting um, a number of years, mm. particularly the likes of 15 years for a cost to release spectrum um, licenses. So um, I think the next few months um, are going to be quite pivotal, uh, not only for Vodacom, who we're discussing this evening, um, but for all the other operators who have also put in the application. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly one that's going to be um, quite critical uh, for uh, South Africa's ability to leverage much, I guess, much touted investment uh, into uh, the telecom sector, which, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think, uh, you know, would also benefit uh, and many of these listed players would also be benefiting from, you know, being able to, uh, I guess, uh, really push the expansion of smartphones uh, and effectively, I guess, get uh, all of that computing power uh, into mm. the hands of everybody. I also found quite interesting, I guess, what uh, Vodacom was able to do with their super app um, and uh, whether or not that might be a potential area for an improvement in financial services and other revenue streams going forward. Yeah, so um, as I indicated, it exceeded the expectation because they only launched um, this Vodacom mm. super app in October um, of last year and they've attracted um, numerous registers, over 1 million registered users in the first few months um, of the Vodacom. Um, uh, pay, um, which is uh, exceeding the expectation, and it's also a platform that um, is used to uh, make purchases, pay bills, and save money, which um, a lot of these um, registered users have been using the, the app for. So I think it's just a, a, another avenue in terms of growth for the, the group, um, but also um, another opportunity for, um, as you know, the pay services and industries is highly competitive, um, is very much a growing sector within the South African landscape. And the use of cell phones um, in being that intermediary um, between the, the, our, those that hold cell phones and the transactors um, is becoming very much uh, an important point um, for um, Vodacoms and also other investors um, that have tapped into this competitive market. So it's, uh, it's, it's pleasing, but also I think they'll obviously expand and try to build on this book and in this particular investment and see how it can obviously grow because mm. it has exceeded the expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then, I guess the other story that came out today was uh, uh, this uh, tyre manufacturing price-fixing case coming before the tribunal. Uh, that's the competition tribunal. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, this is the story movies are made of, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think not only just of how long it's taken this particular matter to get as far as it has, but also just, I guess, you know, the cloak and daggers type meetings that were held to effectively fix the price and to uh, cut up the market for tyres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're right, Ayabonga. Um, Maybe let me just provide some context mm. um, for our listeners this evening. Um, so there's currently, which started it yesterday, the Competition Commission um, is hearing a 19-day um, hearing in terms of alleged price fixing um, by the four manufacturer tires in South Africa, um, such as the likes of Goodyear and Continental, um, who are obviously the two that are currently going through the, the commission at the moment, and also Apollo Tires and Dandop. Um, who stand uh, up? Who obviously settled uh, a, a fine of about 45 million rand, um, and also Bridgestone, who also uh, applied for a leniency application. So these particularly four manufacturers in South Africa colluded in terms of prices increases from the time of 1999 mm. um, to at least 2007. Um, so the senior counsel, senior counsel Berger, um, who is appearing in the com. com-, uh, the com- and hearings um, indicated just how these particular events took place. So the likes of your, your Brinstone and the likes of your Dunlops and, and these four um, particularly tire manufacturers um, all met um, at Oral Tambo in about early Jan of 2000 and attended meetings, particularly these meetings were attended by executives, managing directors, and they primarily focused on the effects of manufacturing costs in terms of dealing with the manufacturing costs at the time um, in terms of the pressure of some of the raw materials, the costs that they were coming under pressure for, mm. and also proposed within these meetings how they can come together and work together in order to stabilize the price um, and also how they can obviously collaborate um, as these four um, producers um, or suppliers um, of tires in South Africa. So this particular uh, four group of, of companies reached an agreement with each other in terms of how they will in terms of how they will navigate the prices, in terms of communication, in terms of how this will be, will be implemented. So this is what the Competition Commission is currently hearing, and particularly in the 19-day mm. hearing that is taking place. So it, it is quite disappointing that this has taken place um, as far as back as 1999, um, and it took particularly a, a supplier or the likes of a, a company um, by the name of Parsons Transport um, to bring this complaint um, to the com commission um, in terms of the, the, the manufacturers and how they work to, uh, with each other to set and manipulate prices um, for the tires in South Africa. So that, this is what's um, taking place mm. now. Um, however, it is quite disappointing that it's taken um, quite a, an extensive time for it to take place. And as I did indicate um, previously, um, the, so the two that are currently at the ComCon at the moment um, is Bridgestone, um, and they're currently um, there at the moment. Um, however, Dunlop and sorry, Dunlop and Brimstone have obviously settlements. Um, however, Goodyear and Continental are currently um, um, contesting, um, particularly this um, hearing. Let's shift away from, or maybe just before we let this one go. I mean, it's quite clear what happened here. Uh, that these guys not only you know sequenced and coordinated, uh, I guess the the sequencing of their price increases. They effectively also you know, coordinated on the messaging used to justify that. I mean, if, you know, if I'm a big OEM uh, or an auto retailer and I buy tires 
without fail from your entity. And I start to hear that there's just one story doing the rounds about a 20% rise in these mm. tires. Um, you know, it certainly does make it seem and sound more legitimate. Um, uh, this also happened a long time ago. So I'm also quite interested in whether or not many of the parties here have long since passed on uh, and whether or not there's a, a potential, I guess, for this matter to be brought to a head, I mean, via these tribunal hearings. Yeah, so they coordinated um, as in, in terms of the, the prices, not only the prices, but in terms of the sales and marketing um, that was going to be communicated to the market. Um, but in terms of the people, um, if they are still around, so the hearing is um, hearing from uh, people that were involved, executives that are, are retired now. Mm. Um, so they are currently um, assisting the commission um, with some of the notes that they um, did have at a particular time. Um, as you, if you are quite, if you are following the story, um, these particular meetings that they did have um, at all our travel um, airport um, hotel that they did take place. Um, however, there were no um, meetings or um, meetings. Um, I'm struggling to find the word that there were no um, terms of meeting notes that were taken um, by the executives. Um, however, this particular retired executive um, mm. did indicate um, with some of the notes that he did keep. Um, he is um, relaying some of the and confirming um, some of the complaints um, that did take place. I mean, this is yeah, this is quite unsettling. I mean, I, you know, I remember a few years ago a story had come out of how, you know, people in the uh, was it the bread or the milk cartel? I think it was the bread mm-hmm. cartel um, had met at. Uh, a church, one in Kerk somewhere in the Free State, uh, to, uh, you know, they call it, yeah, Kerk Fakhadering or something like that. Um, you know, they met at a church to fix the price of bread over the Christmas period. So they knew they expected a surge, I think, in demand. So and then they did it for a few days around the 24th or 25th when there would be a surge in demand in specific areas um, mm. and, you know, effectively you know, try to target those price increases to those areas. And, and this time around, it seems it's happened straight off as people fly off at Oaratambo, which was then called Joburg, Joburg International, go mm. into a meeting room, have some coffee and uh, effectively not take any minutes, uh, it mm. seems. But um, yeah, diary entries are still around and some uh, uh, work notes, it seems, of uh, some of the parties here being relied on by the tribunal. So this is one we're going to follow quite closely. Uh, but uh, I guess onto a more much more sadder story here. Um, operations executive out at Famous Brands. These are the guys who give us Debonairs, Steers, Fisherways, um, and many other brands. Uh, I think Fago is part of this uh, stable as well. Uh, Andre Peel uh, killed after being hit by a car on his way back from a training session uh, on, mm. uh, on the bike. Um, talk to me about this particular story and I guess what the latest is here because it does seem the NPA saying they don't have enough evidence to uh, prosecute. Yeah, so um, as you indicate, um, I have on the, the Andre Peel, um, who was the operations executive um, at Famous Brands, um, succumbed to his injuries on Saturday morning um, with that hit-and-run car accident that did take place um, whilst he was coming back from the cycling um, training station um, near Nanceria. Um So as we're quite aware of in terms of the the, the communication that has taken place. Um, the driver was apprehended on the scene, um, but however, he was um, detained. Um, however, in, in, in different circumstances, he was um, let go um, on Monday, um, despite being apprehended and arrested on the scene. Um, so the NPA um, has indicated that they're not sure when um, this particular individual will appear in court. 
um, and however the attorney that is representing um, Arthur Peel's family, but also another cyclist who was also injured quite heavily with regards to the, the hit and run that did take place, um, is quite vigorous in the, um, in, in, in the investigation and are really trying to get um, prosecutors um, to take this matter to court role. Currently, it's not on court role and are trying to investigate with the investigating officers um, why this um, is taking so long. So it, it is quite a, a saddening story, um, as you know, Andre Peel has been a famous band for about 15 years, um, having held several managerial and executive roles um, across the group. Um, and as you know, South Africa, this particular driver, it was said, it's claimed that he was drinking at the time, or he was found to have been drinking at the time. And we know um, with our country and the challenges um, that not we only have with alcohol, but also with speeding, um, which is a major contributor in the grim, grim statistics um, that we currently see, and particularly this event um, that did injure and the one loss at the moment that we know of. Um, however, the one um, um, training um, cyclist um, is still in critical um, condition in hospital. Look, I mean, the mayor of Johannesburg, Mpopalata, managed to also tell us what car was being driven in this instance, uh, a white Porsche SUV. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess, you know, it's gutting for any family and, uh, you know, even, I guess, people who've worked alongside Andre uh, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, uh, come to uh, news such as these. Uh, and uh, we wish them all of the best. Nanga Bangalala, Tunati. And, yeah, the other story that we'd picked up... Um, Akon, I guess with the few minutes that we have, uh, was uh, speaking about the 750 million US dollar loan from the World Bank. Uh, we had the DG uh, of the Treasury with us last week. Uh, and a big part of, I guess, uh, the questions we were asking him were the terms of this particular loan, the conditions, if any. Um, and uh, in terms of the terms, he made it quite clear that, you know, if somebody was getting 9.4% on a 10-year bond, um, that this would probably be a few hundred basis points lower than that. Uh, mm. And it seems that's the same response uh, that uh, the Treasury and uh, the Minister, Minister Inok Korongwana, the Minister of Finance, uh, shared with uh, the Portfolio Committee uh, earlier on today. And this after EFFMP Floyd Shibambu had urged the committee to reject the loan um, on the basis that uh, a loan of this kind would serve the interests of imperial masters in maintaining the underdevelopment of many developed, um, well, developing countries, I should say. Yeah, so the loan was granted, um, it was communicated towards the mid to late part of January of this year, where the World Bank um, granted um, South Africa with a $750 million loan. Um, the National Treasury and the team um, were in Parliament, um, as you indicated, um, with opposition parties um, having questions and queries and just wanting to um, determine the the, the, the T's and C's, particularly, of this loan. And National Treasury and the team did um, answer some of their questions. And the $750 million loan, um, have, they have indicated it won't um, be converted to rand. Um, it will be uh, a, a loan that, in terms of National Treasury, they're looking towards making dollar-denominated domi- commitments. Mm. Um, as you know, South Africa um, currently pays um, quite a significant portion um, to servicing of debt and interest payments, and also paying foreign debt redemptions from yes. um, bondholders um, that um, currently um, have South African bonds, for example. Um, but South, um, National Treasury did indicate this money will be used um, particularly for that. 
However, this money is just a portion of assets that they'll be raising in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the only um, money, or they, they call it a small portion, that they'll be um, looking for in order for South Africa to meet um, some of its um, requirements in terms of should there be a deficit, which there currently is, um, it, it will go into servicing that deficit. Um, however, Mr. Finance Minister did also note that the South Africa's debt costs, um, as we all know, are continuing to grow and are beginning to significantly crowd out um, the service delivery um, elements um, that South Africa currently needs. So currently, government is now spending more um, on the house budget, on, on, on servicing debt than the house budget um, that is, is currently given. So yes, um, this particular loan will be used for um, the, the uh, dollar-denominated commitments. Um, however, they have indicated more is looking to be raised um, and also in looking to be raised, a lot of, of markets participants have questioned, will this other commitments that they're looking to raise and be used um, to fund, as we know, the grants, the COVID relief grants that is coming to an end in March, mm-hmm. will that or the further commitments that they're looking to raise be used um, for this um, COVID relief grant extension, um, which is likely to take place. Yeah. Look, I mean, I guess, you know, the other broader question, just insofar as this uh, debt story is concerned, is, um, you know, the implication of being able to reorder our our borrowing requirement in this fashion. I mean, 16% of our borrowing requirement, I understand, for 2021-22 is dollar denominated. And uh, Mm -hmm. if there's any adverse shocks on the exchange rate, that could have massive implications for any budgetary balance. Yeah, no, it can be, um, but they also did indicate, as you said in your industry when introducing the story, um, they have um, been given a cheaper interest rate. Um, in addition to a cheaper interest rate, the National Treasury have also been given a three-year grace period um, in terms of when to start paying um, for this, um, paying back this loan. Um, so um, we all know um, the South African government, and uh, particularly our fiscal um, deficit that has been taking place for quite a long time, and our debt servicing costs um, continue to escalate. And that was some of the, the concerns in which opposition parties um, in Parliament um, raised with regards to the Treasury um, execs that did attend the meeting today and in terms of how Treasury is in terms of reducing its debt and its goal to reducing debt. Um, so these are just some of the challenges that we will be faced with and future generations, unfortunately, um, will have to fork out the burden um, of some of the, the choices that have been made in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Akona, Masishi Abosiswam, it's always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you very much, Ali. Akwana Mlamleli, Portfolio Manager, 27.4 Investment Managers, joining us there for our business wrap. And uh, yeah, we take a brief break now. When we come back, uh, we go straight into our headlines. And yeah, also do send through those voice notes uh, there on our WhatsApp line. Yeah, uh, 16 minutes it is before 8pm. Uh, we go straight into our headlines segment this evening. And uh, yeah, we take a look at, uh, of course, uh, the latest coming out of uh, the Judicial Services Commission, which is conducting interviews, as we said in the introduction, for the